good morning, good afternoon, wherever we are. I think we're afternoon already. Good grief. This day's flying by. Welcome to Living Light Outdoors. We're on the mic this morning. We are, um, <laughs> we went from summer storm season overnight to winter snowmageddon today in Oklahoma. This weather's just ridiculous. Man, it's up one minute down there. It's been really yo-yoing this year. Uh, what a crazy, what a crazy season we've had. Uh, it's literally blustering, blowing subarctic temperatures out there today. There's snow all over the northern part of Oklahoma. Thankfully, we've actually had just some flurries here. The ground, the wind's blowing hard enough. The ground's trying to dry out already from all the rain we got last night. So what a time. What a time we are having, amen. Man, I want to share with you a message today. I'm going to be on the road a little bit. Um, I'm going to leave this evening, actually, here after a while, uh, and I'll be headed over to see Rhonda for a little bit, and then in the morning, I'll be headed up to Missouri, got to do a little work for my buddy at his shop, um, do a little iron sharpening iron up there. I love that time. And then I'll be speaking at an event for Peter Snapdoor Ministries on Saturday. Uh, probably going to stay the night Saturday night, won't come home till Sunday morning, uh, so we're we're going to be on the road a little bit. Not exactly sure how my recording schedule is going to be in there, but it will be mobile. Uh, I know that's a little different than when we get to be on the mic here. But I want to share with you a message, and I actually, this message kind of began to portray itself uh, during a message a, a local minister preached on his first Sunday taking a church that I've been filling in for here in Perkins. And he was coming out of some, some messages he brought out of Hebrews, and I, and it, Man, I had to take some notes. Um, I did listen to him preach, but I had to take some notes while he was doing so because there were some things really jumping out at me. And, and I want to I want to bring to you my version of kind of what he was saying. And I titled this, One Sacrifice is Sufficient. So when you look at Hebrews chapter 10, there's, a, there's this description of what's, being do, what's been going on for the sacrificing of sin of man. So this is like pre-Jesus. He's, uh, Paul's explaining pre-Jesus of what all the sacrifices were uh, that had to be done but, you know, for the sin that man was doing and, and how to cleanse them from their sin during that time. But, but now we see where it's being described to the people that there is only one sacrifice that counts, and that obviously being Jesus. Now, now Jesus on the scene, he became the sacrifice for all. So we're going to start this uh, uh, is, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start verse 1. It says, For since the law was only a shadow, just a pale representation of the good things to come, not the very image of those things, it can, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. So this passage goes on to explain that these, these old practices of sin offering were still intact, then, then if they were still intact, then why do we continually offer them as, as now through Christ there is only one sacrifice that has been sufficient to cover all sin? There's no reason to continue these blood offerings that were taking place for sin when Jesus became the one blood offering on the cross that covers all sin and is sufficient to cover all sin. So now we're going to jump to chapter 10, verse 12. We're going to pick this up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 through 18. And here we're, here's where we get a glimpse of what is setting up uh, what, what I really wish it to bring out of here today. This is, this is the meat of the message right here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 18, it says, Whereas Christ, having offered the one sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself, for sins for all time, 
sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin at the right hand of God, the position of honor. So see, when, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, you know, his job here on earth was done. His ministry was done. He went through this brutal crucifixion. Uh, he, he, he died. He went to hell while he was there. Uh, he took the keys of hell, death, and the grave. He resurrected on the third day. He spent some time walking around with his disciples, sharing some things. Then he ascended into heaven, and there he sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God, the position of honor. Verse 13 says, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Verse 14 says, for by the one offering he has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer to a spiritual completion of maturity. Sanctification is a process. It's a process of being made holy, being made mature in our faith. And then verse 15 goes on to say, and the Holy Spirit also adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this, for after having said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will imprint my laws upon their heart and on their mind, I will inscribe them, producing an inward change. He then says in verse 17, and their sins and their lawless acts, I will remember no more no longer holding their sins against them. Or now where there is absolute forgiveness and complete cancellation of the penalty of these things, there is no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. Jesus was the sufficient sacrifice to atone for sin. There is no need to continue on in sacrificing that like was done in the old age but prior to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and go through 27. This is this is a this brings about a new way of living, okay? Hebrews chapter 10 starting with verse 19, and I love the very way it starts, therefore, <laughs> because of this is what that word means, because of this, therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us the veil as in the Holy of Holies that is through his flesh. So no longer is there a veil separating us from the Holy of Holies, from God's presence. In the old times there was. There was a Holy of Holies and only the priest being perfect was able to go in. Remember the story where the priest had a rope tied around his ankle? Because if he went into the Holy of Holies and he was not fit to be in there, he would be struck dead. So he had bells hanging on the edge of his garment, and if they couldn't hear them bells jingling, they knew that joker was dead, and they drug him out by the rope that was tied around his foot, and they prepared another one. <laughs> but now we don't have to have this anymore because Jesus Jesus became that, that bloodshed. He became the ultimate blood sacrifice, the sufficient sacrifice, so that now we can enter into the Holy of Holies, be in God's presence because of his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith. Having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. I like that without wavering. Don't be, don't be wavering around. Be solid, for he promised, and he's reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. The NIV, 
version uses the word unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly. Man, I like the descriptions here. Don't waver and, and don't be swerving around. Eyes straight, drive straight, hold fast to the line, and it's to the hope. We hold unswervingly to the hope. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. That Man, we need to be encouraging each other, especially in these crazy times we live, Encourage one another to love each other and and to do good things. Don't get hung up in all this negativity and this evil that's going on around us. The NIV also uses the word spur. Spur one another to love and do good deeds. (laughs) Spur one another. Now, I I live in cowboy country, okay? You know, we we live here in central Oklahoma. And and, and any given day, you can be at the cafe for lunch or whatever. And a group of cowboys will come in, and they're all wearing spurs. Now, I, I rode a lot of horses growing up. I actually rode some crazy horses growing up because people would bring me that stuff that they couldn't ride or they were knuckleheads or they had something wrong with them, and, and I would ride them out until they were you know, rideable for, for my buddies or whatever. Never rodeoed, never got into that, but I had a few rodeos in my backyard and in my pasture a time or two. But I never wore spurs unless I needed Unless there was a specific need. Today, it's just kind of fashion statement. Everybody wears spurs. And I mean, I'm careful with my words and I don't want to upset somebody or make somebody mad. But I'm thinking, dang, my my horse, I didn't need spurs on. I rode a few crazy ones, though, in my day and in my younger days. And I grew up on the back of horses. I, I did not ride with these spurs. My horses didn't need them. But spurs were only used to convince maybe a stubborn or a real ornery horse or a hard-headed horse who was boss. You know, maybe gig them a little bit. You, you gig a stubborn horse. You stick him spurs in a stubborn horse, and, and you encouraged him to move. <laughs> so so he. this is what the NIV is saying here. When we, we are to spur one another on, we're to gig them a little bit. We're to encourage them to move, to do love and good deeds to those around them. And he goes on to say, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and, inst- and instruction, as is the habit of some. It's gotten to be a real habit of not going to church, not meeting together, especially in these crazy couple of years we've had with all this COVID junk. We, we find ourselves where we've done a lot of online services. It's, you know, it's become real common to go to church in our sweatpants. It's become real common to go to church sitting on our sofa we might even have the TV on. Oh, yeah, we might be listening to the message on our phone, but we're kind of watching the TV too. And maybe we're not really paying close attention, but it's saying here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, don't forsake the meeting together of the believers, the saints, as is in the habit of some, but encourage one another, spur one another on, gig them a little bit, all the more faithful as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. We're in these end times that this is referring to. We need each other. We need to get together. We need to encourage one another for good things. We need to encourage one another to love in this loveless society that we have. We need to gig each other. We need to spur each other on. We need to be unswerving in our hope. We we, we need to, to, to help one another and, and encourage one another to stay together. If we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth. So this, in other words, this is, this is after we've surrendered to Christ, 
we continue willfully and deliberately sinning, it says there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is no further offering to anticipate. Jesus died for us once. <laughs> we, we can't continue in a life of sin and expect that atonement for sin, his, his bloodshed to just continue to pour out on us. There's got to be a moment of surrender and there's got to be a change in our life. Things bring about a new life, a change of the way we were, a washing in the water, if you will, a coming out of who we were into who we are in him. We can't live in our old ways and be expected to be tied to Christ. It's not going to work that way. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be miserable, actually. So, so we, we, we can't willfully or deliberately continue to sin after receiving the knowledge of truth. So once you've surrendered to Christ, stay there. If you stumble, if you fall, if, if, if your old ways or old habits catch up to you and you, maybe you, fell, you fall in, maybe you drag back down into sin, surrender. Ask God to forgive you, wash you clean, dust the, yourself off, get back on your feet, get your eyes back on Jesus, and move forward. It goes on and finishes this chapter with, but a kind of awful and terrible expectation of divine judgment and the fury of fire and burning wrath, which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. That's not a good place to be. Don't find yourself in opposition to God. Don't find yourself on the wrong side of God's way. His ways are very simplistic. But he does give us the option. It's always our choice. He lays it out really plain. He, he lays it out really cleanly. If we find ourselves on the op opposing side of God, we can expect his wrath. We can expect his fury. We, we can expect horrific things. We've got to put ourselves in a place of surrender and stay that way. Spur each other on. Sp encourage us one another. Don't don't willfully and deliberately fall back into sin. If you stumble, get up. But don't but don't continue to live in that garbage. Don't continue to wallow in that in that pig swine. Don't don't do that. Get yourself up. He said that unswervingly, let us let us hold unswervingly to the hope. Without wavering. Encouraging one another, spurring one another on. Just We've got to get our minds right. We've got to get our lives right. We've got to get our eyes on Jesus because Jesus was the sufficient sacrifice for our sin. Don't let him do what he's done on the cross in vain. You, you understand what I'm saying here? You, you've got to surrender completely to him. You, you got struggles going on in your life? Surrender. You, you got issues? Surrender. Get your eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm. Cry out to him. He'll reach out to you, but you have to take his hand. It, 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 you, have to, you have to stop sinning. You have to stop living outside the lines. You, you've got to stop deliberately going against the word of God. You, you, you understand truth. You understand what it means. So now pursue him unswervingly and then spur others on around you to do the same. Give him a little gig once in a while. <laughs> Sometimes stubbornness or honoriness can be in play here. Sometimes we need a little step forward. We need a little goose in there to, to get us moving in the right direction. 
that said a Spurs can do it, but we shouldn't have to wear Spurs all the time. We, as, as followers of Christ, should willingly go after him, should willingly put away our past. That, that's the purpose of a new life in Christ. That, that representation of, of water baptism, if you've not been water baptized, man, I want to talk to you about that. Water baptism is, 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 the, is a good element. It's a key element. I'm not going to say it's a heaven or hell issue. You'll have to work that out between you and the Lord, not my call. But I'm going to tell you that what water baptism does is it, it, is, a, it is a public display of your faith. It publicly says, Father, I, I, I die with you. I'm buried to who I was. I'm raised again, washed clean as a new creation. My life begins at this moment, fresh and clean. Let's move on from here. Don't go back into that mess. You're, you're at a new place. It's, it's like when Christ came out of the grave, he was no longer dead. He was alive. When, when you were water baptized, you're, you're dunked under that water. You're, you're dead. But you come back up alive. You come back up fresh, clean, washed by the blood of Jesus. Let him clean you today. Walk in his spirit today. He is one sacrifice and he is sufficient for you. Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, pray for us uh, this weekend as we journey through all this mess. <laughs> um, we'll be up uh, speaking at a volunteer summit, Peter Snatter Ministries. Um, pray that God has his way in, in my life, that he speaks through me, that I'm willing and, and, and being a willing vessel for him to use that we continue in this ministry to be just exactly that, that Rhonda and I allow God to pour through us. Uh, we pour into each other all the time. She pours into me. I pour into her. And and, that, and it comes out in these things. It comes out in these messages. It comes out from other people. We, we've been talking about how, did, how do we hear the voice of God. Well, this is it. God's speaking to all of us today. Take it to heart. Thank you so much for following us. Thank you for your support. If you can support us financially, all the giving links are on the website. It's Facebook page. Uh, you can right here on the on the podcast. Uh, you can send us a check. I can send you addresses. I have Venmo, Cash App, whatever you want to do. We can figure out a way for you to give if you want to give financially. Pray about helping us. Pray about supporting us. Pray about partnering with us in this ministry. And then let God prompt you to do whatever is necessary. Let Him spur you. Let Him gig you a little bit, whatever that may be. Pray for us, please. Pray for for Rhonda and I personally. Pray for our our family. Pray for our, our, our ministry and the things that God has given us to do, that we hear him plainly, that we are discerning and we've got wisdom and we make wise choices in everything that we put our foot to. May God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. I'll be on here sometime tomorrow. <laughs> we'll catch up with you at some point. But God bless you guys. We will talk to you again real soon.